Episode 29 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Let me tell you something. Myself, Gumby, we competed this past weekend in a sub-only jiu-jitsu tournament, and we both wore Sisu Mouthguards to protect our chompers. How did that go for you, Gumby? It worked fine for me. Even when I got cross-faced a little bit in my uh, third match, uh, I didn't have to worry about cutting my, my mouth or losing a couple of teeth because I had my Sisu Mouthguard in. So head on over to SISUGuard.com and get the right mouthguard to protect your teeth when you compete. Episode 29 is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. We are rolling episode 29 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. I am David Tremonti, joined as always by the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We are so thankful that you got us in your eardrums. We, of course, are available wherever a podcast is being streamed. TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, we're all over the place. Head on over to the mothership, MMA-Manifesto.com. Click on the podcast tab. We have archives there. They're 29 episodes deep now. And, of course, you can catch us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. And, Gumby, do we have a Facebook page now? We now have a fully functional Facebook page. Uh, So head on over there and like that. Uh, to make sure that you're getting all the most recent episodes and any other content we come out with. Awesome. All right, so let's start here, Gumby. Uh, Holly Holm, now 0-2 since beating the Queen. She was the Queen Slayer. She dethroned Ronda Rousey in November, lost her title to Misha Tate in the fifth round via rear naked choke in March, and then gets outpointed, unanimous decision loss, to Valentina Shevchenko this past Saturday at UFC on Fox in Chicago. The, the weirdest part of this for me, too, is the fact that, uh, that you know, she got beat by somebody who fights her own style. You know, like, this is the first time we've seen Holly Holm get, like, outboxed. You know, like, she got outboxed, she got out Muay Thai or whatever. She, her stand-up game was not as good as Shevchenko, which to me is just crazy. Uh, because, you know, when we, we were breaking down who is actually the best in the Bantamweight division, you know, you play the game, well, like, Misha's a good wrestler, and, and Ronda's got the best submissions, and Holly can box. If Holly's not the best boxer, where does she fit into this division? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and, it's it's crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's kind of actually a little frustrating, because here we are now, one year from when Ronda beat Betch, uh, you know, and in the past year, we've had... Four Bantamweight champions, Ronda Holly, Misha, Amanda Nunes. And I don't think Amanda Nunes is a world beater. No. Who, it, who's lined up to fight her next? Because I'll pick Venezuela and Vixen. I'd pick Shevchenko, perhaps, in a rematch. Shevchenko won the third round against Nunes. Yeah. You, you want to know what the crazy thing is, is that I, I said this, I, I think it was a couple weeks ago, maybe even a month ago at this point, is that women's Bantamweight is one of those divisions right now that is just run by, you're pretty sure, not the best fighter in the division, right? Like, Meaning Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes. Right. Yeah, like it's like this weird time in MMA for me as a fan because I'm like thinking about all the champions and when you do your rankings, you know, you always put the champion at one. But how many different divisions do we have right now where the champion I, I wouldn't rank number one? It's a, a very interesting question. I mean, uh, certainly middleweight. I would not rank Michael yeah, Bisping. Michael as Bisping's one. not the best middleweight fighter in the world. I don't think Amanda Noon is the best bantamweight fighter in the world. I, I, I think the think jury's out on Stipe, actually, to be the honest. The jury's with you. out on Stipe. And, and I, I love Stipe. I, you could make that Daniel Cormier, John Jones argument. I don't think Eddie Alvarez is the best uh, lightweight in the world. Right. You know, I think Khabib and uh, Tony Ferguson are probably better. So, like, there are all of these divisions where we're like, is that the best guy? And it's just like a – I guess I don't know what I'm even trying to say about this, but it's just like a really weird headspace as a fan that all of these people with belts are well, not the best. I think you're hitting on something interesting, which is do you, you can fall on two sides of the coin here when you look at the belt bouncing like a hot potato in the women's bantamweight division and the fact that Ronda – just, you know, truck through the division like a Mack truck just running over deer on the highway so easily. And now we're having all this parody. Do I look at it like the division is really strong and everyone could beat everyone because of certain styles? Or should I look at it like, man, this division's weak? I think of it as strong, but you know what I think of it more as? I think of it more as Ronda got caught... And when Ronda comes back, there is that chance she just steamrolls all of these people again. Because mm. you forget, if we're talking about who had some of the best performances as champ, 
you you know of, of all of those one-off winners, you might say Misha Tate, right? I mean, Misha Tate dragged down a very tough Holly Holm. So if we're saying Misha Tate's the best, you got to remember Misha Tate got slaughtered by Rousey at will twice. I think Misha's a better fighter since then, but your point stands. Yeah, yes. but but my point is is that I mean Rousey could be a better fighter by now too. We just haven't seen anything in so long. You know, I think there there is that chance that Rousey steps in and is just as dominant as she was before. You know what I feel is kind of a shame. I don't know if you saw this, but um, the fight itself peaked at a uh, 4.9 million viewers on Fox, the best summer rating of any UFC on Fox card ever. They made a new star in Holly Holm the day she beat Ronda Rousey, and now they killed it. <laughs> and and Holly just kind of killed it. I do think her, you know, Ronda could come back, beat Amanda Nunes or whatever the fuck she wants to do, but she could come back and fight Holly on pay per view. They'll hype that fight sufficiently enough where Holly will be a big enough star yeah, to co headline against a Ronda. Too. Yeah, just a win or two, and she'll get that back. I mean, she's still you know a good fighter. She's just not. You know, we thought when you become the Queen Slayer, you become the new Queen for a while, and that was not it, the case. Yeah, it's just one of those weird cases where that's not it. Um, I can't remember because I listened to a bunch of different podcasts, not just our own. I want to say it was Kenny Florian said this. Huh, how ironic. I almost stole something from Kenny Florian. But uh, no, <laughs> I, what I was going to say, easy, I don't, but what I was going to say was, he said, uh, for all those people who tried to say that Holly was holding something back in those first two fights in the UFC, Marion Renault and Rocky Pennington, yeah. yeah, no, she wasn't holding anything wasn't back. Hold, this is just, Holly Holm. That's just what she's yeah, got. She's a gun-shy point fighter yeah. who has to counter, and if she's got to come forward, it's not going to be a fun day at the office for her. And I'll tell you something else, though. Again, styles make fights. I pick Holly over Amanda Nunes. If Nunes wants to lunge at Holly... Yeah, because it, it's a bad fight for it. Yeah. It, stylistically. Yeah, stylistically. Yep. So anyway, that was that. And then the co-headline was Edson Barbosa beat Gil Melendez. Uh, unanimous decision. Actually, did someone give it to Gil? No, it was a unanimous no, decision. No, it was unanimous. And, you know, just beat the crap out of his leg with that front leg kick. Um, Gil's tough. I, you know, he's not going to be a champion. I'm confident in saying that. In With the, the, the time away and the, the steroid suspension, I mean, I I, I... I enjoy watching him fight. I, he's getting paid a lot. I do wonder, is this... Are we coming close to the end here? It, it seems like a Benson Henderson situation. Right. Like, it? they could just let him... I don't know if they cut him or if they let him I, walk I when the contract cut him, comes but up. But if he's got few fights left on his contract, I don't think that they renew no because he's getting paid like three hundred thousand a fight yeah. and he's not going to be a title contender yeah, i agree with that what do you do with barbosa Oof, that one's tough i mean I, my he still needs that, another win or two i mean he probably still needs another win or two but you know if you decide that uh you know eddie Alvarez's next fight is khabib i'm not saying you couldn't give him ferguson yeah or you know just throwing this out here he'd be fun to watch fight rda Actually, wait. Dos Anjos would be a fun fight. That would be. Now, oh, Ferguson Barbosa just already be, fought for Ferguson. Yeah, yeah and, excuse me on that one. That was the bloody yeah, war with yeah, the, the. And the dark stroke, right. So, if you, I mean, if you give the title shot to Ferguson, you could give him Habib. Habib, or like I said, RDA would be a fun fight. Yeah. My mistake for forgetting that. How the hell did I forget that fight? Well, there's, yeah, but there's uh, there's so many good matchups. That's a killer division in the top five, top ten. Everyone and, and I'm is... hearing word that, uh, you know, just throwing this name out here, not that he would be anywhere near GSP? the top. But no, uh, Miles Jury is, is working his way back. Back into, up to 155. Yeah, I believe he's I coming keep, back at 155. I keep hearing these rumors that George wants to cut down to 155. Have you seen him? He's massive. Yeah, he's, he's like giant. he walks around at like 190. <laughs> yeah, full of gymnastic than, muscle. Yeah, he looks bigger than me. <laughs> uh, the the other news of the day is that our boy and we asked his coach Lester Bowling, Lester Bowling, this back in like March when we interviewed him. We said, is Shane Carwin coming back? He played coy with us, but he, did, he, did. he said he hit some mitts sometimes. And now we get the news that Shane Carwin is trying to come back. Yeah, he, uh, apparently his uh, manager put in a call to uh, not the Fertitas, Joe Silva, Joe Silva, yeah, Joe and Dana Silva's White, still in charge, so, and Ari uh, Emanuel. Maybe yeah, they put the the phone call in, so hopefully we'll see him matched up. Who would you like to see him fight at heavyweight? Ah, uh, man, heavyweights. I mean, you know, whoever. Like, uh, who would be a great uh, just first matchup back for him? I mean, I even want to see him fight uh hoy nelson stevin struve yep. uh he was supposed to have that fight with nelson before and it didn't work out because he got hurt that i mean listen you I, could put the black beast lewis against I was just anyone gonna say, yeah. i would love to see him fight Derek. Lewis. And that's the winner right there yeah carwin oh. black beast take my money now yeah 
The only problem with that is is Derek Lewis's takedown defense is sometimes a little suspect. So, right. I mean, Carwin can wrestle. We know Carwin can wrestle. Um, all right, so we'll we'll keep it brief here, Gumby, because we had the absolute honor of getting to catch up on Fight Week with Uncle Creepy Ian McCall. He's fighting this Saturday at UFC 201 against Justin Scoggins, and he was nice enough to give us the time of day. This interview is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting, mine and Gumby's home gym. New England Submission Fighting is a mixed martial arts gym in the lovely, quaint, picturesque town of Amherst, Massachusetts. It is the oldest MMA gym in Massachusetts. Class is six days a week. No gi submission grappling is the specialty. Head on over to Amherst MMA. That's A-M-H-E-R-S-T-M-M-A dot com. Come on down. Tell them Dave and Gumby sent you. You'll be treated with a choke and a smile. New England Submission Fighting brings you our interview with Uncle Creepy, Ian McCall. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte, and we have the pleasure of talking to Ian Uncle Creepy McCall during his fight week. He fights this Saturday at UFC 201 against Justin Scoggins. Uh, Ian, you know, a lot was in the news before you took this fight that you felt like you needed motivation to get back in the cage. Uh, what about Justin Scoggins brought you that motivation? Um, it wasn't Justin. It was just the fact that I was able to fight again. You know, like I my bo- I was going to retire. Um, and my my and it's you know I was fighting it so much. Um, my body was shot. And I, I take care of myself like incredibly well. I eat incredibly healthy. Um, you know, you see all these guys, you know, all the, the testing kicks in, their bodies transform and blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I'm, I'm fucking jacked. <laughs> you know, I'm healthy. Like I, my household is, I, I've been raised this way. Like my house is very, very healthy. You know, my, my daughter, which I've talked about before, has an autoimmune disease. She has juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. So diet is what fixed my, my kid. You know, from seeing your kid go from being a lively, wild kid from to not being able to walk, not being, you know, having this brain fog and all the pain she was in um, and the drugs they put her on and, and kept trying to give her, you know, like um, so my ha- and the way we fixed her was through a healthy diet. You know, and I think it was Socrates or some old smart guy uh, said, you know, medicine is food or food is medicine. And that's what we did. That's how we fixed it, you know. And, and there were, you know, people look at me as a certain way and, and oh, whatever, like, you, you know, I'm, you know, party monster or stoner or whatever. Yeah, well, regardless, I'm still really healthy. Like, I eat incredibly well. All my meals are made for me. My mom's a chef, so the meals that aren't made for me through a company – are amazing. All the food at my house, if, I, if I'm going to cheat a diet, I have to leave my house. Um, and when I leave my house, I'm like a soccer mom. I'm, you know, I've been a single dad my daughter's whole life until recently. Like, so I pack everything and, you know, I'm, you know, everything's in bags and in freezers and coolers and, you know, like everything's set up for my day because I have so much to get done. And, you know, I got to take my daughter here and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to train. And I got to do this. And I got to go check out my business and I got to look at investments and I got to do all this different stuff because that's just how I run. But, you know, I, I, I like Justin. I was talking, I was talking, screwing around, around with him today. He's a, he's a good kid. And, you know, <laughs> like I'm a fan, you know, but what the motivation was my coach, um, Justin beat up one of my friends and training partners, um, Josh Sampo. And when UFC called, they said, hey, do you want to fight in South Dakota? And I said, no. <laughs> Fair. You know, like, it's me. Do I really? Like, <laughs> sorry, but no. Like, if I'm going to go to South Dakota, I'm going to go hunt. No, nothing's wrong. There's nothing wrong with South Dakota. But <laughs> from a business standpoint, no. Get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, put me on a bigger card than that. You know, it's a rarity for me to fight because I'm always injured because um, I train so intensively. Uh, until recently, you know, recently I've very pulled back a lot you know, because of my coaches have made me. Um, but, you know, my, my coach, he just goes, hey, because I want this fight. And my coach is, is, you know, that's family to me. I've been with I have his logo of name tattooed on my fucking arm. So um, I said, yes, sir. Okay, let's do it. And 
it just lit something in me. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I am a, I am a different person. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't fight out of anger. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm, I'm truly happy for once in my life. Um, and, uh, I, I just said, okay, yes, sir. You know, let's get to work. And, and, and just having the, the notion of not being able to, to ever fight again was huge, was a huge burden on me and it hurt, you know, and so to be able to have, the motivation just to perform and just to fight and do the one thing uh, outside of being a dad that I love more than anything, you know, is, 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 is a, uh, and I I hate using the word blessing because, um, you know, I'm not saying God's not real, but if he is, we're totally off about the whole thing. (laughs) Being being raised Catholic, like, uh, I I don't know. So I don't like using the word, but it's true. I, I feel I'm 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 so lucky to be able to get a second chance or a third chance or fourth chance or whatever you want to call it. I've had so many chances. And and so I want to back you up there for a second. It's also interesting. You know, you mentioned you eat so healthy and you're trying to figure out. You know, the injury bug. Was it? Do you kind of have like a reason now? Have you pinpointed? Was it just the intensity of your training was too much? Was it almost like a Cain Velasquez situation? We always hear about how those guys kill each other up there, and then you know he's always getting injured. Have you sort of figured out maybe why? you kept getting injured yeah i mean the hand was you know hands break and the thing is is that my doctors my surgeons i have one surgeon um we've had conversations he's a friend of mine and, and he's done my mom's surgeries multiple of my mom's and he's going to do my brothers and does all my teammates and my agent and my coaches and um fuck everyone i know you know and uh he's like your bone density is crazy like it's really strong. I was like, I don't know how your hand broke, but you know, thick Brazilian skulls. They, they, you know, they hit. <laughs> was that in the that was in the Lineker fight, correct? No, no, that was in the Iliard uh, Santos fight. Oh, that was okay. My first time in Brazil, and I shattered my my first metacarpal in my my hand. And you know, it, it wasn't. I mean, the break was very very bad, very extensive. But at the same time, it was a a botched surgery and it's nothing against the surgeon you know the the surgeon i used this time a long there was a, a long time ago um you know came highly recommended by my you know f- former father-in-law who's a you know very high-powered and smart doctor and you know he, he's not going to refer me to someone who's, who's shitty um and you know the guy's a great great doctor I, i've never seen anything bad about him but the surgery didn't go well the second surgery didn't go well either than the third surgery Seemed to go well, but then it got infected and just turned back into what it was. So now I just have a gimp hand. Um, the hip, uh, you know, I guess that's just an injury bug, you know. And, and uh, you know, on the shoulder, I do things because um, I am very athletic. You know, I'm 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 very athletic, and I I think I I think I'm more athletic than I am because I'm not like some, you know, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like the, I'm maybe, let's say if a hundred percent athlete is like the superstars, I'm at 90 right. and I go and I go a hundred. I, I live my, I burn the, I've burnt the candle at both ends my entire life. And you know, I don't like to lose. So things break when I try things that I do, you know, I've, <laughs> I put myself in a coma snowboarding. I, I've, you know, like I've fucked myself up real bad in life. Um, so that's just how I get down, you know, and, and luckily, uh, I've learned to slow down and, you know, cause I don't have, I don't, I, I've said it more and more lately. Uh, if I break again, I'm done. Let's say I go out there and I, I punish this kid, but I break something and I have to get into surgery. I'm out. Like so, there's no, no more. No, I, I can't put my family through another surgery. And I, I can't take any more time off, you know, uh, you know, I'm a businessman and I'm, I'm a smart entrepreneur and, I have a family to take care of. You know, I have a daughter. Well, I mean, you know, I, I have a daughter to take care of, and a, a beautiful girlfriend that you know I, I would like to, you know, be eventually be able to really support and do, you know, buy the house that I'm looking at buying and do all this stuff that's it's coming to fruition for me. But um, you know, if I if I break something, then so be it. You know, that's life. And you've mentioned this before, I mean, in other interviews and the media, you are a businessman. I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you recently entered into the cryotherapy business. You opened up a cryotherapy center. I think you were in medical marijuana dispensary at some point, perhaps. What have have you kind of lined up? And obviously the podcast, Storytime with Uncle Creepy, which we're a fan of. 
What else have you kind of lined up, you know, because you seem to have a mindset for what happens after here. Yeah, I mean, for me now, um, the money I do have, uh, the investments I've made, the cryotherapy place is, honestly, we have, we have we have cryotherapy, we have hyperbaric chamber, we have, you know, it's a chiropractor, an actual doctor runs it, Dr. Shadi, um, and you know, the, these are toys that, that I bought, you know, or that, that I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna use anyways. So I'm like, well, let's buy them and let's start a business. You know, I want to put float tanks in and infrared saunas and all the different toys that I like because I want to have a, a facility where people can go and, and get and feel better physically. I have a, a recovery center that's not, you know, not a rehab recovery, even though I am looking into, um, uh, opening up a rehab for drugs just because, you know, it does hit close to home. I have died of a drug overdose. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's it's still something I know that I can – I like helping people. You know, it makes me feel good. I've done a lot of shitty things in my life, and, and uh, there is something inherently wrong with me. I like to beat people up for a living. I like <laughs> violence. I like, hurt, I like hurting people. So um, – and I also enjoy the flip side of that. I really like making people feel better. You know, and having a sick kid and, and having people who have brought their children into my facility, that's, you know, if the place makes me money, you know, one day, cool. If it doesn't, if it just pays for itself, whatever, that's fine. Um, you know, the me- medical marijuana thing I got out of because it's a slippery slope. It's a it's a, it's a a silly business and I, I can always step back in. Uh, I have a lot of, you know, I, I – I, Luckily, I, because I have a name, I get free weed. I get free edibles and weed and CBD oil. And you know, my girlfriend has epilepsy, so I, I, I you know, can get CBD oil for her, CBD water, just whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, I, the, I'm a, I'm I'm a smart guy, and right now I'm really focused on my broadcasting career. Uh, I see my podcast and my radio show as my you know my next life, and uh, I can do those because I do them once a week, so I can do them while I'm training for fights. You know, I only record once a week and I record middle of the week, Wednesdays, so I can wake up, I can train hard Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, or sorry, Monday, Tuesday. I can get up, I can do yoga. Um, I love yoga. I'm about three, four years into yoga. Hot Uh, hot yoga or the regular variety? Mainly hot yoga. It's more, it's harder, you know, um, but I, I do sometimes. I just don't want to sweat. I'll go do yin yoga or I'll go do something else. And I live by the beach. So whenever I go, you know, and I'm I'm a coxman. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I like to go see beautiful <laughs> and sweat and stretch. And it's nice. You know, that's nothing just, wrong with that. No. And plus, I'm a show off, you know. So I'm in there in little shorts and I'm jacked. So, I'm, you know, they're like, you're so good. At it. You're so flexible. You know, you're good. At it. So it's just, you know, me being silly. But I, I really like yoga and how it makes me feel. Um, even though I haven't been able to do it for the last three weeks, month, because of how it affects my system while I'm training. Um, but you know, like I said, Wednesdays I get up, I do my yoga, I go do my two shows, I get to go hang out in LA with all my cool kid friends up there. And, you know, the, the multitude of, uh, like I said, cool kids and doing finger quotes, cause I've just always had a lot of friends that are in high places, you know, um, or at least interesting ones. You know, even if you don't know who they are, uh, go look at my show with Eric Day. No one knows who the fuck Eric Day is, but who's Eric Day? He, he's the guy who was in a Pakistani prison for three years, three a little over three years, wow. uh, for smuggling drugs. And he wasn't. You know, he was smuggling drugs. He was a, a accidental mule, um, screwed over by someone. And and if you want to hear me shut up and not talk and just hear an amazing story, I can't remember what episode it is. But look at the Eric Ade episode. It is insane. Greatest stories I've ever heard. And and we only had two and a half hours of it. it were, the, the guy's got stories for, for days. He's a pro poker player. Um, I was just out at the World Series of Poker at a charity event. Um, that again, my, my girlfriend runs helps run this charity and set up events. So I was out there and uh, you know doing a lot of charity stuff and and got to hang out with him a little bit. But um, you know it's it's a <sighs> I just, you know, the, the the broadcasting thing is something that can really expand my life, and I, I can have a, a, another job that isn't a real job. I can do something I love, and to have a mentor like Joe Rogan and Brendan Schaub and um, and Psycho Mike from Loveline, those are the three guys that pushed me 
to do what I do via broadcasting. So and, you, you you mentioned I don't mean to jump in here, but you mentioned uh, Joe Rogan there. Joe Rogan just mentioned that uh, you know after th- this upcoming year he might be all done. Uh, is there any interest in you getting into like the fight broadcasting game, or is this more like a radio podcast thing down the road for you? You know, I owe this sport my life. This sport saved my life on multiple occasions. Um, you know, from drugs, violence, depression, just life. You know, I'm a I'm a, a, a weird person. I'm different. You know, and I I I never had never had a bad life. I had a perfect childhood. I come from a very upstanding, rich family who's you know the one percent. And I grew up on the beach in a beautiful home. And you know, like. Uh, I just, I'm different, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm very self-destructive. Um, and, and for, for me to be able to give back to the community, my knowledge that I've, that I've gained, uh, for this sport or from this sport, you know, I have a master's degree in fist fighting and a very technical one. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, a, I get certain points where I talk to people and they're like, dude, what? Like, you know, uh, I don't want to call myself a genius, but, you know, when I get all Bobby Fischer-esque on people with, with fighting, I, I I love this sport. And if I could give back and, and also have a job with UFC for the rest of my life doing or, or a good portion of my life doing broadcasting, uh, I think that, you know, I, I could be looked at like a um, – a more lovable Dominic Cruz. Now I look at Dom- <laughs> Dominic's my friend. Like he's a legitimate. He's one of the last true friends I have in this sport. That that still fights, um, and love the guy. Uh, but and a lot of people don't like him, and I know why. Everyone knows why he's a dick. He just mm-hmm. says what he on what he what he mean. You know he's 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 to the point, and he's he's so. I honestly think he's he's if not the he's one of the very smartest people in this sport. Um, and he doesn't care what you think. You know, he doesn't, he's not trying to make you like him where I will do the show and dance and, and I'll, I'll make you like me. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, so me and him could play back and forth real well, I think, you know, and, uh, guys like biz being or Brian Stan, I love Brian Stan, huge, huge, uh, I adore him. He, he's so good at what he does. But I, I think I could add some color to all of that and knowledge. So I, I would love to. I, I know I have to make a reel um, to give to them. I, I've been talking to Eve Edwards about it. Um, Eve just got hot, you know, just got signed, and, and my producer for my show, TJ DeSantis, is the one who helped him with it. And TJ has a show for Eve. So th- th- that's a guy that I really um, I can really uh, relate to because you know we were both the best in the world at one point when no one gave a shit. Mm. You know, there was no money, there was no fame, there was just, you know, being the best, and and um, and yeah, I've man, he, he was a guy I really adore. So um, if I could jump on in with that group of dudes, you know, Kenny and, and everybody, that Robin Black, even you know, he's new to the to the to the, to the UFC scene, but he's so good. You know, is there room for someone? Uh, like I me. think there is. I think there is. I think your mustache alone just makes you stand out. If you're flipping through channels and you see an Uncle Creepy and you have that knowledge like a Dominic Cruz, and I agree with you. I, I mean, Dom's brilliant, and he comes off great on TV. He also comes off a little cold, you know, and I think I think everyone would agree with that. Um, but I think, yeah, you would bring personality to, to that show, and that's what those pregame shows, that Fox mindset of, like, NFL pregame shows, that's what they're looking for, you know? You'd bring yeah. a lot of personality. Yeah, and you know, like, so uh, I'd also dress better than everybody else. You know, <laughs> I I actually I know the guy and I know the play. You know, it was right down the street from my gym. David August, he makes the suits for Connor. He makes the suits for most, you know, Lorenzo and everybody. And you got to look at that group of people alone. David August makes the best suits I think in the world. Uh, they're all custom. Um, I can't afford them, or I don't want to spend that much money at least. Uh, so. You know, I would definitely be, you know, the sharpest dressed uh, commentator, that's for sure. Heck yeah. So I want to go back to something you said before. I just, it connected with me because I, I thought it was very interesting. You know, you're obviously, you're in the hurt business, but you get a lot out of, you want to go into the help business and kind of that, you know, evening out. And you're obviously a really good businessman. You said earlier, uh, you know, you didn't want to fight on the South Dakota show, not because of anything with South Dakota, but maybe just because there weren't going to be a lot of eyeballs on that show. It was exactly. middle of the week. 
Um, and I totally get that. And you're actually, so this is 201, which I feel like is a pay-per-view that's kind of getting overlooked because it's sandwiched, obviously, between 200 and then Nate and Connor at 202. But you're going to kick off the pay-per-view. Is there ever any thought, like, what's your opinion with Fight Pass getting so much hype nowadays and then FS1, the prelims, sometimes get more eyeballs on them than, you know, if a pay-per-view doesn't do, like, a million buys? It, is that is this a good spot, I guess, is what I'm asking, kicking off the pay-per-view? Is that good for you, or would it have been better to be, like, the main Fight Pass prelim or to be the FS1 prelim? Any thought going to that? Financially, this is the best spot for me. I'm on the pay-per-view. Uh, you guys are a fucking idiot. <laughs> sorry, my, my, my cook just – my nutritionist and cook friend that just walked in. Um, um, so – it's it's a good spot for me financially, you know. The pay, pay-per-views pay the most, you know, as far as bonuses and whatnot. Um, and it's weird that this card is getting overlooked because Robbie Lawler's on it. Yeah. You know? He is – right now, he's the most savage guy <laughs> in the sport. He is, he is a, just a complete psychopath. And uh, you have to love him for it because he's lovable. He's the lovable psychopath that you want to see rip someone's head off. Um, and the other fights in the card are great. Matt Brown versus, what, Jake Ellenberger? That was, you know, yeah. uh, there's so many good fights. And, and it's weird it's getting looked over so much because um, 200 sucked. And I, yeah. I called it. I, I, I was there. I was like, oh, are you going to 200? I was like, no. You're going to go to 200. For one, I'm not getting paid to go to 200. So but I, I go to Vegas when I get paid. Uh, Vegas, Vegas is the devil, and it brings out the worst in me. Um, you know, so I try and stay away. Uh, but you know, uh, knowing certain things about you know the sport and, and the business, um, I'm happy to be here. You know, and, and the, I, I hate to slight the the South, the South Dakota card, but yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't it wasn't big enough for me. This is this could be my last fight. You never know. And I, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go out big. Um, so I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be in Atlanta. is beautiful. The people are great. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it's such. It's just a good, a really good place, and I'm I'm very excited to be here uh, with these other fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of people I really really respect. So, so you mentioned that this, you know, and you've said it a couple of times today, is that this could be your last fight. You go in there, you break something, it's all over. Um, you know, you so far at Flyway are the only person ever to put a blemish on Mighty Mouse Johnson's record. Um, how, how much will that weigh on you that you won't get another chance at the champ if this is your last fight, if this is the time where you go out? Oh, man. It'll eat away at me for the rest of my life, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, that's life. You don't always get what you want. You know, it's, it's time to grow up someday, Peter Pan. Yeah. <laughs> Um, nice wedding crashers reference. Yeah, and, and you know, and people never know that. It's funny. Um, I, I quote that movie so much. But it is he, Demetrius deserves so much more than he even asks for. You yeah. know, he talks about a super fight with you know Dominic or with TJ or whoever's the champ at 135s at the time. He's like, oh, I want like two million dollars. Like, bitch, no, dude. I, I I hear rumors Nate's getting like ten million dollars for this fight. Wow! Connor gets all this money. You're the pound for pound best guy on the planet, and and I'm not talking shit on, on Demetrius because I've stopped doing that because he needs to be adored. Mm-hmm. He needs to be put in a spotlight and and really uh, shown the respect he needs. But oh man, you got to shoot for the stars, bro. You, you're you're not and. It's just I don't know if he's just simple and doesn't care or what. I know he's a good family man and all that, but you know you, you could have a life that is different, and um, he should. You know he's earned it. So uh, if I didn't get a shot, me trace again. Yeah, I'll, I'll be bummed. You know it will eat at me forever. Uh, but you make peace with it. You know whatever. That's that's life. You know life could be worth my life. My life is. My life's amazing, you know. I get I get to raise my kid with my, you know, with my family so involved, and her mother's involved again, and and you know I get to travel the world and have fun and do this stuff and help people and and still hurt people for fun and money and coach young fighters and um, 
and do so much stuff that I that I really enjoy that I'm I'm you know, if it happens and I don't get to fight again then whatever. Yeah, I mean it sounds like you have set yourself up and you have a lot of irons in the fire and you more so than others that we've heard about are protecting yourself so you have something else to go into and I'll tell you what, the way you talk about what Demetrius should be demanding, I almost feel like you could be a fighter manager someday too. I like I was pumped up while you were talking about him shooting for the stars. Well, you know, I have a good agent in uh, management set up at Iridium Sports with uh, Jason House. You know, he's getting into the NFL, so he'll start making real money. But see, he's a lawyer. This is what we need. We, do, we don't need used car salesmen or um, these sleazebags like Malky. You know, like oh. such idiots. Like Like fucking guy. Oh. <laughs> Your cook doesn't like, like Malky either? You just come off like such a piece of shit. Yeah. Like the things you say and the things you do and just gross. You represent John Jones. Good, disgusting. Shame on you, you know. And you're not. I don't, he doesn't have a law degree. My, my lawyer, my, my my agent is a is a contract lawyer. He went through law school. He knows his shit. Like I'm not gonna have some numbnuts who who just gonna talk my ear off and 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 blow smoke at my ass. Like you know, tell me I'm pretty and and just be a yes man. Like that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just, you know, this is a business, and needs to be treated as such, and you can't have even like old school guys like Ken Pavia, you know, I know Ken from from the the, the used car business, you know, my, that's how my family came from is the is the car business, real estate, and Ken was in the car business. He's a fucking sleazebag, you know. Hmm. You can't have these guys representing us. That's not how it works. We need to have real representation. Um, so uncle creepy, this has been awesome. We were so honored to have you on the show. We can't thank you enough for setting aside time for us on a busy fight week before we let you go. Uh, please plug whatever you want to plug the podcast. And obviously you'll be fighting this Saturday, UFC 201 versus Justin Scoggins. Yeah. Um, you know, been having fun with Scoggins all week, the past couple of days. He's a good kid. Um, and he'll bounce back from, from this, you know, he'll bounce back from the, the horrible things I do to him. On Saturday, but uh, as far as me plugging stuff, uh, my podcast is Storytime with Uncle Creepy. My radio show is on Dash. It's an app. It's digital radio. Obviously, terrestrial radio is, is dying. All the cars are getting rid of car companies. Are getting rid of AM, FM, and satellites are fucking stupid. It's a satellite. We don't need to beam a signal from space. Um, so Dash is is the the future of radio. And it's owned by DJ Ski, who does you know Ski TV, and, and uh, it's every Wednesday on the Hot Button Channel from uh, five to seven with my co-host Eric Apple, who's a former fighter and you know multi-sport athlete. He raced pro trucks. He was a pro surfer and bodyboarder. Um, all my or all my social media is uh, Uncle Creepy MMA. Snapchat's Uncle Creepy MMA One. Um, Timo Yama, 10th Planet Irvine, Jiu Jitsu, uh, fight, fight camp con- conditioning for my, my strength and conditioning at Corey Beasley. He's, he's the man. Um, you know, I've got a really good uh, a group of people around me. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm one of the only fighters who has lifestyle sponsors. I've got lifestyle sponsors like Our Cats Clothing. Um, it's you know, O-U-R-C-A-S-T-E, a Broken Home Boots with H-O-M-M-E, um, Wonderland Sunglasses, uh, Perps. Which is a drink by the owners of Ruka and Kelly Slater, the surfer. Uh, Invo Coconut Water. Um, I got a bunch of cannabis sponsors, but I probably shouldn't say those. Um, and you know, uh, I've got sponsors for days. That I, I got a lot of cool stuff in my life, and, and I'm happy. Oh, Therapy Cryo Salon. It's my. If you do want to come to do some cryo, I'll freeze you myself. I'm there <laughs> pretty much every day. Nice. Uh, with Dr. Shadi. So cruise on in. It's called Therapy Cryo Salon. It's in Lake Forest, California. It's in Orange County. So come by. Check. Check it out, and um, you know we also have really good mas- massage, you know, masseuses there. And again, Shadi's a chiropractor. We have the hyperbaric. We, we're we're going to be expanding soon, so come on by and check it out. All right. Well, this has been Uncle Creepy. He fights this Saturday versus Justin Scoggins. We hope to see him back in the octagon even after this Saturday. Thanks again, Ian, for the time. No worries. Thank you, guys. So there you have it, Gumby. Um, Uncle Creepy, Ian McCall. Yeah, one of my favorite interviews of all time. I mean, he's so well-spoken and uh, really, really funny guy. I also really like the point he made where he was the best in that division when that division didn't matter. I mean, if you watch Tachi Palace fights uh, all that time ago, he was the 125 kingpin for quite some time. 
Yeah, you know what that made me think of was I was so happy when Misha Tate won the belt because I felt like she was one of those early pioneers, not the first pioneer of women's MMA, but she came in in that kind of second wave and fought for nothing when no one really ever thought you could make money in women's MMA, and there she was. She fought Hook and Shoot, I think, if you remember Hook and Shoot, the promotion Mm -hmm. run by uh, Jeff Osborne. And and then she wins the UFC title. I'm like, wow, I'm so happy for her. And I feel the same way about some of the lighter weight classes. Because back in the day, it only went, you know, down to 155. Yeah. So if you were an Ian McCall fighting on the regional scene, you know, you never really thought you were going to get to the UFC. You, you didn't know. I would love to see him have his moment in the sun, especially because of those fights he had with Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, they were great fights. And, and you know, and that's the other thing. He Then he comes back and loses to Joseph Benavidez. Bad matchup. I mean, that's tops of the division. And it's just like he can never get back on that track, yeah, yeah, yeah. the injury bug. So, well, we'll, we'll see this weekend for sure. Um, all right. So we will now turn our attention to our preview of UFC 201. Get your pens and pencils out. Gumby will give you a little of his gambling advice. The card, you know, it's sandwiched, as I said to Uncle Creepy, it's sandwiched between 200 and 202. It's still a solid card. Is it worth your pay-per-view dollars? That is for you to decide right now. It is headlined by one of my favorite fighters of all time, Ruthless Robbie Lawler. He is the welterweight champion. Lawler is on a four-fight win streak coming off two wars with Rory McDonald back in July of last year and then fought Carlos Condit in a five-round war in January of this year. I think the the common question or theme that's been played in the media the last few weeks is, are these wars about to catch up with Robbie Lawler? He will be defending the title against Tyron Woodley, a very controversial pick to fight for the title. There are a lot of people who felt uh, a Damian Maya might have been more deserving and certainly a Wonderboy Thompson. Here's what's so weird about Tyron Woodley. He's two and one in his last three. Lost to Rory McDonald in June of 2014. Came back two months later, knocked out Dung Young Kim, and then in January of 2015 beat Kelvin Gastelum by split decision and hasn't fought in a year and a half. He was, of course, slated to fight uh, Johnny Hendricks in November of last year. Hendricks missed weight. Very infamous incident there. And he gets a title shot. I don't know if the UFC brass were just impressed that he had a small cameo in the NWA movie straight out of Compton or what. But I, I don't think that's it. Okay. So, Gumby, there you have it. Tyron Woodley challenging for the welterweight title. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Robbie Lawler on this one, and mostly just because, uh, I mean, there have been a couple of articles, like you said, about are his the shots going to his head? He He's the most hit champion right now, I the believe. The most hit champion in history, I think they said he was, uh, you know, if you break down on a per-fight basis. But that being said, he, he takes hits better than anybody. You know what I mean? Like, he rolls with them fairly well. Uh, you know, you've seen him stunned once or twice, um, but nobody even close to, to really, really finishing him. And I think the, the issue here with Tyrone Woodley is he's got to do it quick. Um, I, I feel like Tyrone Woodley's kind of got the Amanda Nunes chance in this fight. He better come out and just, like, blast Robbie Lawler as fast as he can because I think the later this fight gets, the more it favors Robbie Lawler because he's had those championship rounds before, and he's just as deadly in, like, round four as he is in round one, uh, and that doesn't bode well for Tyrone Woodley. Uh, I don't know if he'll get the knockout because he hasn't been a knockout machine since he's been champ, really. I mean, you could kind of count that... Rory McDonald? I don't know. Do you count the Rory McDonald one? as It was a TKO. I think yeah. it's more of a doctor stoppage than anything or a Rep submission stop. due to punches. Right, right. You know, like, it wasn't really a knockout to me. Um, it was like accumulation, drop in the bucket. It was just that was the straw yeah, that broke I mean, the camel's back. Yeah, I mean, and he looked broken physically and mentally. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a Robbie. I'd probably say this one goes the distance, but if it, you know if it's anything like any other Robbie Lawler's fight, you're not going to want to miss it. Um, so if you are betting in Vegas, pick the over, says Gumby, but Robbie Lawler is uh, basically trending at a minus 200 favorite. Woodley, you could get around a plus 175 dog in more, most sports books. Yeah, and that that's not super enticing either, right? Like, you're not even getting two to one on him as a guy with 16 months off. Usually the time off, like, jacks up the odds, too, and that doesn't even seem to be the case. So that's kind of problematic. The co-main event is a strawweight offering. Uh, you have Rose Nama Yunus, uh taking on Carolina Kowalkowicz, and I hope I said that right. Carolina, I think so. 
Carolina is 9-0 and in her professional career, but what you need to know is she's 2-0 and in the UFC, having beat Randa Marcos and Heather Joe Clark, two well-known fighters in the strawweight division. Uh, Nama Yunus is on a three-fight win streak since losing at the Ultimate Fighter finale back in December of 2014. She came back and choked out Angela Hill in October of 2015, just beat the crap out of Paige Van Zandt. Uh, for five rounds, finally locking in a rear naked choke. That was back in December. And then she beat Tisha Torres via unanimous decision in April of 2016. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to be kind of lame here and take the favorite again. I, I just sure. think Rose Namajunas, uh, since losing that title shot, has just gotten better and better and better and better. And as a matter of fact, I- I'm of the belief that if you roll it back with her and Carla Esparza, she beats the crap out of Carla Esparza in a rematch. Yeah. Uh, her striking's gotten better. Um, I mean, I can't believe what she did to Tisha Torres because I was a big Tisha Torres fan. Still am a big Tisha Torres fan. But she just dis- dismantled Tisha Torres. Um, not as bad as she did Paige Van Zandt. But um, and as far as, as Carolina goes, I, I think she's got a lot of good skills. But also, if you look at the names of the people she beat, you know, take nothing away from Heather Joe Clark. But Heather Joe Clark, I mean, it, that's like a couple of tiers different than Rose Namajunas. She is making a huge step up. I also wonder, I mean, with Carolina, you know, she has one TKO on her record, being a 9-0 professional. Uh, she has two subs, but what's the path to victory for her if you were going to make a case? She's not going to out-jits Rose. Yeah. She's going to have to outstrike. strike I, I mean, if if I had to guess, I would guess put her up against the cage and kind of beat her up like that. You know, like maybe almost like a not stall game. That That's a dirty word, I guess. But, uh, you know, like dirty box or at least cut the angles off and, and poke away at her. Because, like you said, I don't think she's going to knock her out. She's definitely not going to submit her. Um, I wouldn't even want to take her down. I, you know, the path to victory question is a, is a really good one. Uh, Carolina is the plus 190 dog, which seems, as Gumby just outlined, there aren't a lot of paths to victory there, seemingly. Um, so you almost think she'd be a bigger dog. Uh, Rose, the minus 230 favorite. I think that most... one boils down to her being undefeated. I mean, that so that makes a lot of sense in the betting world. You know, an undefeated person, the, the odds close down no matter what. But with, with Woodley, that doesn't make sense. He's been away for 16 months. Usually the odds open up on that. Um, and I do want to say that if Rose wins, I would like to see her in the mix to challenge Joanna oh, Violence. I would pay for that fight. In Put a, it on pay-per-view. In a heartbeat. I'm actually, I, you know what, I'll give our loyal listeners a little preview. I am working on an article for MMA-Manifesto on how Joanna could headline a pay-per-view now. I think she's set up for it. They had a, got a good rating for that tough finale. I think she could outdraw Mighty Mouse on pay-per-view. We I talked totally about agree. that last week. Uh, moving on, this is a very exciting, what should be an action fight in the welterweight division. You have Matt the Immortal Brown taking on Jake the juggernaut Ellenberger. Ellenberger has not been that much of a juggernaut recently. Uh, he's on a two-fight losing streak, one and two in his last three. Beat Josh Koscheck with a north-south choke back in February of 2015. I believe that was the fight that sent Koscheck packing. But then a spinning hook kick uh, got him, and it would get you know 99.9.9% of the population. Uh, Stephen Thompson knocked him out back in July of 2015. And then Ellenberger came back and took a unanimous decision loss to Tarek Safadine. Matt Brown, on the other hand, uh, he is one and two in his last three himself coming off a loss to Damian Maya via rear naked choke, just a JITS clinic down in Brazil in May of this year. He beat Tim Means with a guillotine choke in July of last year, and he lost to Johnny Hendricks in March of 2015. He is a fighter uh, who is trying to get back in title contention. Is Jake Ellenberger the guy to start him on a win streak? I mean, it's going to start him, I think, pretty obviously. Uh, Ellenberger... He, he's just kind of reached that part, and, and I thought his, his striking was going to pick way up when he went to Kings, and, and that last loss, I was just a little bit underwhelmed in how much he's progressed. Because, Against Tarek Safadine. Yeah, because, you know, it, it, and it seems like everybody who goes to Kings under Cordero just pick up all of these little tricks and angles and stuff like that, and Tarek still just kind of, like, picked away at him at will, so it seemed like he hadn't picked that up all the way and you know I, I, that's not a slight to kings because like i said they've done everything for all those other fights but you know fighting a gritty guy like matt brown if you're not sharp 
um, you're in a lot of trouble. And, and Tarek Safadine, to me, is not even as good as Matt Brown. He got a step up after losing. Uh, I think this is Matt Brown's, and I think Matt Brown's is going to finish it. Uh, Matt Brown, the minus 285, as high as a minus 340 favorite in some sports books. You could get Ellenberger uh, as low as a plus 235 dog and as high as a plus 265 dog. Uh, we'll move now to Francisco Rivera challenging Eric Perez. Francisco Rivera is one and two in his last three. He's coming off losses to John Lineker via guillotine choke and Brad Pickett via a split decision. Eric Perez, on the other hand, is coming off a win over Taylor Lupulis via unanimous decision back in November of 2015. He lost to Brian Caraway via rear naked choke, RNC, some call it, in June of 2014, and beat Edwin Figueroa in November of 2013. So he only fought three times in the last three years. He is 2-1 and one in his last three as Eric Perez. What you thinking here? I think I want to put Eric Perez on my list with Ben Rothwell as some of my least favorite people to try to pick fights about. Uh, I think I've been wrong every single time he's fought somebody. And it's mostly just because when he's good, he's really freaking good. And when he's bad, he's really fucking bad. You know what I mean? Like when he lost it to to Kea Mizugaki, he looked awful. He lost to Brian Caraway. He looked atrocious. But when he beat Figueroa, I mean, he looked like a killer. And the fight against Lopolis, he looked awesome. So which one comes out this time? I don't know. I might go with the more consistent fighter here in uh, Francisco Rivera. I mean, Rivera, by all accounts, was having a pretty decent war with uh, Uriah Faber before Uriah gouged his eyes out. So, right. And he's been very vocal about trying to get a rematch on that. very vocal about that one. And, you know, I don't blame him. Um, so I might go with Rivera on this one. Just, uh, I mean, he's a hard worker. He's gritty. Um Perez is definitely more flashy, but I think that's why he looks so bad sometimes is because when the flashy stuff isn't landing, you look really terrible. Perez, the minus 125, uh, you could get him at a minus 135 favorite, and Rivera, very slight, plus 105, highest plus 110 dog. Uh, but you say go Perez, yeah. go the dog here. I said go with the, the uh, Rivera, the, the dog here, yeah. All right, and then we talked to him earlier today, so you basically can't pick against him, but you know what? Do your best. Be a professional. Break it down anyway. You have Ian McCall versus Justin Scoggins in the flyweight division. McCall, as we discussed, coming off a loss to John Lineker via unanimous decision all the way back in January of 2015. Kind of interesting that both him and Woodley have not fought since January of 2015 and now on this pay-per-view together. Uh, Before that, McCall beat Brad Pickett via unanimous decision in July of 2014 at the McGregor-Brandau card in Dublin, Ireland. Very famous show. Check it out on Fight Pass if you've never seen it. And he beat uh, uh, Santos, uh, Alardi Santos, at UFC 163 all the way back in August of 2013. So he is 2-1 in his last three. But again, injuries, he's only fought three times here in three years. Scoggins, on the other hand, is a stock on the rise. Blue Horseshoe loves Justin Scoggins, Wall Street reference. He is 2-1 in his last three. Lost to John Moraga all the way back in September of 2014 via guillotine choke. Uh, but then came back with a unanimous decision victory over Josh Sampo. And then, very surprising, unanimous decision victory over uh, favorite of the show, Ray Borg. Who you got here? I, I think it's, you know, and this isn't just because we have him on the show. I'm going with Ian McCall, and here's why. If you look at the people who have beat uh, Justin Scoggins, they're wrestlers, right? Dustin Ortiz and John Moraga. They're two guys who wrestled in college and think wrestle first. Don't get me wrong. Moraga and Dustin Ortiz have excellent grappling games, too. They're both excellent with submissions. But first and foremost, they think about wrestling or they defend takedowns very well. And, and I mean, that's what Moraga got Scoggins with is, you know, stopping a takedown and, and choking him out. So when you know that ahead of time, you know, he beat Ray Borg. Ray Borg doesn't wrestle. Ray Borg does great jiu-jitsu work, but he doesn't really wrestle. Um, so when you think about that, Ian McCall is one of the better wrestlers in the 125 division. And, yeah, he's been away, but legitimately one of the best wrestlers in that division. I mean, he out-wrestled Mighty Mouse in his UFC debut. That's crazy to think about that there was somebody who out-wrestled Mighty Mouse after all these super dominant wins of his. Um, so – 
I Ben, you can get him at a pretty good clip because people, you know, he's a plus two oh five dog. Yeah, exactly. So, you, and that's the time away thing. You know, he's been away for so long. He's against the guy who stocks on the way up. I think it's a really good time to bet on Ian McCall. And Justin Scoggins, the minus two forty five favorite. But you heard it here first. McCall, a good pick and he's a friend of the show so you goddamn better pick him we'll go through the prelims the fs1 prelims in rapid fire pace gumby don't have to go in as into as much breakdown you have ed herman ed short fuse herman the plus 135 dog versus nikita krylov at a minus 160 favorite who you got i, I like the kid in krylov uh hell yeah and, i mean he he's knocking people out and he's a lot of fun to watch and not that herman isn't knocking people out either but you know i'm gonna go with the kid on this one youth and experience krylov since losing to ovin st pru uh, to the Von Flu choke. Maybe he just didn't know uh, that he, choke he existed. He definitely didn't know that choke. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you hold on to a guillotine, he's reeled off four wins in a row, including three submissions, two rear, rear naked chokes, and a guillotine choke. Uh, really one of the only prospects at 205. I'm going with him as well, him and Misha Serkinov. Uh, we move on to the FS1 prelims. You have Jorge Masvidal versus Ross Pearson. Very exciting fight. Uh, Gamebred, the minus 230 favorite to Ross Pearson. You can get it about a plus 175 dog. Pearson just fought a month ago against Will Brooks. What are you thinking here? Uh, I'm thinking Masvidal. This is at 170, right? I believe like, so, yes. What is Pearson Correct. doing up there? He fought 45 a couple of fights ago. Um, this is bad for him. Uh, he shouldn't be that heavy. He was already kind of, uh, I mean, he was a middling sized 155er. You put him up against a guy like Mas Vidal who can uh, do some pretty nasty things to him on the ground. It's going to be Mas Vidal all day. Uh, and then a heavyweight offering, you have Anthony Free Train Hamilton, the minus 125 favorite versus Damian Grabowski, a plus 110 dog. What are you thinking there? I mean, I like uh, Free Train and in, in mostly just because uh, he's kind of regressed on his style a little bit and allowed it to go back to a place where he's okay with just grappling and winning because he knows that's how he's going to keep his job. It's made his last couple of fights a little bit more boring, but he definitely has the ability to like ground out uh, Damian Grabowski. Is it worth noting that Grabowski has two arm triangle choke wins on his resume? Could he possibly get Hamilton to the ground and I get mean, a sub? Or? He could, but I think Hamilton's wrestling's better. All right, fair enough. Um, and then rounding out the FS1 prelims, you have a flyweight offering. Uh, you have Wilson Reyes versus uh, um, Hector Sandoval. Who you got? Uh, it's got to be Wilson Hayes. Uh he was supposed to have a title fight on this card. He was supposed to fight Mighty Mouse on this card. Uh, this is his second replacement, and I'm pretty sure a UFC newcomer. Uh, hey, it's all the way. No, nothing even close. He's a minus 320 favorite. Sandoval you could get at a plus 240, highest plus 260 dog. We will move now to the fight pass prelims. You have Michael Graves versus Bojan Velikovic. Velikovic, yeah. You actually probably know who he is because you're such a fight nerd. Tell us about this fight. Uh, you know, Velikovic is a, the kind of guy who uh, has some, some good groundwork, but the problem is, is he winds up being flat-footed a lot when he strikes. Um, in knowing that Graves is such a talented grappler and a talented wrestler, you know, he's really grinded out a couple of good wins, including picking up a rear naked choke fairly recently. So I'm going to go with the American top team kid and Graves. Uh, you know, by by grounding him out. Uh, he is Graves is a minus two thirty five favorite, and Velikovic a plus one eighty dog. An RFA uh, champ, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then you have Ryan Benoit versus Freddie Serrano. This is a flyweight offering. Uh, who you got here? So Serrano is super exciting. People are big on him because he's three and zero, two and zero in the UFC. Uh, but I think I like Benoit. Ben, Benoit's the, uh, I mean, he's a guy who beat Sergio Pettis. Um, that was which, an exciting fight. Which people forget about. But at the same time, I think, you know, he's got all the chops to be a pretty decent threat in 125. I'm not saying he's going to be a champ anytime soon. Uh, but, you know, people, like I said, people forget that he beat Pettis. So uh, let's go with Benoit on this one. He's coming off a loss to Ben Nguyen via rear naked choke, one and two in his last three. Uh, but you can get him as a plus 105 dog to Serrano, the minus 125 highest, minus 135 favorite. And now rounding out the entire card, but kicking off the show, uh, you have a lightweight offering of Cesar Arzamandia versus Damian Brown. I dare you to tell us something about these fighters. So uh, 
Arzamendia is the only UFC fighter out of Paraguay. Uh, he fought on Tough Latin America, and he was, like, I'm pretty sure one of the favorites to win the show, and he got hurt in the semifinals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, lots of exciting knockout power in his hands. Um, Brown a little bit more of a wrestler, so as long as Arzamendia can stay away from that, uh, he should be able to knock him out on the feet. So I'm going to go with Cesar on this one. You heard it here first from the Gumbinator. Uh, Arzamenda, the plus 100 dog, but I'm also seeing him as a minus 110. Favorite in some sports books, Damian Brown, you could get as uh, low as a minus 115 to as high as a minus 125. So there you have it. It's sandwiched between two of the biggest shows in history, but that's usually when, you know, the underrated shows come through, are full of action, and hey, it's headlined by Robbie Lawler. And if you don't like Robbie Lawler, you're a terrorist, so get the fuck out my kitchen. People said that that fight with uh, the fight card with Carlos Condit was underrated, too. Remember the one that kicked off this year? And I do. Yeah. That was the day my son was born oh, yeah. <laughs> as we were going to the hospital. Very, very true. <laughs> you, you got it on the delay. <laughs> I did. I got it the next day. Um, all right. Well, this has been another episode of Top Turtle MMA. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter. Email us. We're at Top Turtle MMA. Email us, Top Turtle MMA at Gmail. Love or hate mail. We are currently accepting both. Check out Gumby's writings and maybe even some of mine soon. MMA-manifesto.com. Click on the podcast tab to hear the archives. Thank you to Uncle Creepy. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you, Gumby. Thank you, Jeff Fox at MMA-Manifesto. And Gumby has one more thing he wants to say. Make sure you like our new Facebook page. Uh, It's up and fully functional now, so make sure you head on over there and click the like button. Enjoy UFC 201. We thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week.